Shut up and sit down. everyone. I hope everybody had a great week. Um, I, um, I'm i having a really good um, riding week. I've had a, actually a, a couple of really good riding weeks. I'm at um, 55k on my quantum bang, so I'm pretty pleased with that. And um, I'm doing some plotting for November, pleased with that. Uh, so yeah, I'm doing pretty good on the riding front. Um, if you guys have any questions, now would be a great time to be asking them. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, actually I do have a question from my website. I wanted to start with, um, if I can get over there cause I forgot to get it before the show started. Okay. <clears throat> the second question we're going to leave for later. Okay. The first question, I have a tendency to get lost in tiny details resulting in me stuck in a mindset of, this is what needs to happen or forgetting to research something until I'm halfway through my story and half the plot just crumbles due to one fact being off because I got a problem with leaving something by itself when I know it's wrong. Any advice? I'm going to get Jilly on the air. Um, um, uh, I guess what I would ask the person um, first and foremost is uh, if, um, you're posting a work in progress and if um that means you fuck you can't go back and correct your work after the fact uh because if you are um you can go back and correct your shit it's yours it belongs to you and if you want to change everything about your fic after it's already published you go right ahead and if people don't like it they don't gotta read it (laughs) but um I in, in my plot process, I don't have really anything that's concrete. If you could see my current document from my quantum bang, you would bust out laughing because I've got stuff marked through and there's notes all over the margins. Actually, I think next time I print one out, I'm going to give myself more room in the margins so I have more room to write. <laughs> I'm going to build myself some space into the document. <laughs> but it's ridiculous. Every single page is marked up like... Um, a freshman college essay. <laughs> so, um, I don't believe in a concrete plot process. And I know some writers out there, and I know some personally, who um, who write their plot down, do their research, write their book, and don't deviate. I um, used to try to force myself to do that. But what that ended up doing was creating a um, – it created a uh, – just the situation you currently have. I mean, it, it created this, this, this stopgap in my process where if I found something in my plot that no longer worked, I was kind of stymied and I couldn't go on. I couldn't get past it. But giving myself permission to 
to change things and to to write things over again and um, remove large parts of my document and putting them elsewhere, taking them out of the equation, um, really freed me up as a writer. Uh, I wish you were actually in the chat room so um, we could ask you uh, some more specific questions about this. Um, Julie, what do you think? Um, I mean, on the one hand, I kind of I can understand it because I may be reading in between the lines here a little bit, but I I can get like sidetracked writing on, like I get into writing and then I go off and research something. Like it was a nit, it totally a nitpicky detail, but in stick around, I think to research anything about Dark Tower. And so I get to the point where I'm writing a scene, the scene when there's going to be information related, and I don't know what floor the labs are on. And I was like, okay. So I stop and I do all this research, and I just found a really good site. But it took a while to find a site that had what I thought seemed like a credible answer to where stuff was. And then I find out that basically the elevator needs to get to the 80th floor, and I want to have Jarvis tell. It's just one line about, they, you know, they'll be here in – a minute, two minutes, 50 seconds? How long does it take to go to 80 floors? So I'm getting this whole stupid derailed in my writing time for easily two hours researching Stark Tower and elevator speeds. It's just such a nitpicky thing to get derailed by research for something that amounted to half a sentence of dialogue. Um, <laughs> but Been there, done that. I mean, I... <laughs> Yeah, but I can I can do that. I do that, you know, I like I'll stop writing to go research flight times and I, I don't like personally getting little details wrong. Um and the thing is I think one of the things that I would like to be able to do in my rough drafts is be able to leave some blanks. Blanks that don't affect the plot. Like, you know, figure out how long it takes. You know, like put just this placeholder in and then go in and you know, I'm not trying to write, you know, go in and do all the little nitpicking research I didn't do. Like, the person I forgot to name, just put in a placeholder, right? Um, the the problem is, is I kind of read between the lines and unpacking a little bit what was said here. Um, it sounds like when, when we, when you read the part about I'm halfway through the story and the plot just crumbles due to one fact being off. That's a little bit incongruous with getting lost in tiny details, because if you're, if it's tiny details, they don't matter. You should be able to put placeholders in and, and do research. And it, it's something I aspire to be able to do so that I can get that rough draft out and treat the time that because I can edit with a lot of distraction. It's a lot harder to write when there's people around or, you know, people trying to talk to me or whatever. Anyway. But if the plot is crumbling, that points to an unexpected plot hole. So I don't know if what's being said here is that they're getting so focused on the chat room now. So we can ask her. uh, So what I I read was getting so lost in the details that we're missing plot problems. But if that's not what was actually being asked, it would be good to know. I'm going to put the whole question in the chat room because um, just in case. 
It is. Um, in terms of the research ahead of time, it is. It would be nice to get every single detail figured out when you're in the plotting process. I have never achieved that. Um, I don't even know that I. I mean, it sounds like, kind of like an ideal, but I honestly don't know that I would want to because <laughs> it would make the preparation for a story so arduous that. I mean, but you yeah, have that one friend that plans for a year, right? Or a decade or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. There's nothing that she doesn't think of, so. Um, Talk to us about your plot crumbling. Our our questioner is in the chat room. Talk to us about your plot crumbling. Um, Are you posting as you write? Or are you posting complete projects only? You'll just give us some insight to that. Um, because I think that that plays into it. Because there was a time and I had a mindset where if, if I posted it, I couldn't change it. And I, and I was stuck with it. And then I, I then what was left of my give a fuck got broken completely. But I stopped thinking that way. <laughs> it's yours. You can do whatever you want with it. So you post depending on the length that. So if you had a really big project, you would probably post it as you wrote. I think that was big project, especially like because I have a huge project going on right now. Um, uh, it's a three arc and. Uh, my first arc is ten chapters. A little, it's going to be a little under sixty k for the first arc. Um, and uh, I have two more arcs to go, and um, it's huge. And there's lots of characters in play, and there's lots of events happening because it's a fix it. Um, and when you have a lot going on in a big project. Posting as you go can be encouraging and and, invalid, and and validating, but it can also put a lot of pressure on you. And for me, sometimes big mistake that I've made in something I've already posted, it can be can be very. I can get fixated on it, and um, I did fixate on the problem with Miko in Sentinels of Atlantis until I fixed it. I was fixated. To the point where I was like, okay, either I'm going to have to kill her off <laughs> or make her really devious and that she hid this because of some epic reason. So I had to develop some epic reason as why she hid what she was because I couldn't kill her. <laughs> Although I was really tempted because it was really frustrating. And it, it kind of like, you know, it was, it was hard to get over the, um, the mistake that I had made there and it was out there in the public and I was just waiting for someone to point out to me hey um Miko's a gene character um, a gene carrier why why did why is she the sentinel or a guide <laughs> I guess is one respect where I have actually kind of um instilled the idea into my readers that they're not allowed to ask me questions <laughs> about my plot that no one called me out on it <laughs> I think a lot of readers just assumed I had a plan. I did not have a plan. 
Okay. Is this a? Go ahead. That's still a little. uh, I need some just a little bit more specific. Um, Is this like a work that you're already working on? You start to do something, and then you go back and reread what you just wrote, and you realize all the new stuff is doesn't fit your story, or is this a new work? You need to work on what plot crumble. Do you mean like a plot hole? Like you hit a wall or, or you wrote yourself into a corner or you've gotten really frustrated with what you did and now you don't want to do it anymore? Because I've been there. Yeah, you don't like it. Sometimes you write something and you go, man, I don't like the turn this is taking. Are you a panther or a plotter? Ah, frustration and rotting into a corner. Well, what I would say is that even if you... I would actually, maybe as an exercise, stop posting your... Works in progress. Your next project, keep it for yourself. Write out a couple of bullet points for your plot points. Just, just, just maybe even just ten. Just write ten bullets for the story you want to tell, what you want with it, um, and keep it to yourself. And and write just for you. Um, and that way, if you do end up writing yourself into a corner or you get frustrated, then you can just take out the part that you don't like, stick it in another document that document in a folder called junk or crap or things I don't know what to do with and then pick your spot to start writing again. Okay, if you're hyper if if you're pantsing half your story and then stopping to plot, that could be your problem. Right? Yeah, I also, I, this is just kind of my look, take on it. I think if you start the story pantsing, you're a pantser. People who are hybrids usually have some kind of plot. It's just they're pantsing a lot of the details in between. But they have a general idea of what they're doing. If you just sit down with nothing and get going, that's pretty much hardcore pantsing. Because anybody, and I, I just think it's good to be aware of that because anybody, when one of, that's one of the things that panthers have to do is stop and figure out what the hell is going to happen to their story. It doesn't, that doesn't mean that they're suddenly a plotter. Um, it just means that they're at the point where, you know, inspiration has taken them only so far, and now they have to figure something out. Um, hybrids do a combination panthing plot thing from the jump. So, and, and that's not critical. It's just it's important to be aware of what your style is, Um and I, if you sit down and don't know and you write until you hit a wall and then stop and figure stuff out, you're, I would call you a pantser. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. Things, 
nothing, nothing wrong with it at all. Um, it's just important to know because the strategies are different for people who pants versus people who, you know, where you are on the spectrum, your strategies are going to be different. And I think one of the things that frustrates pantsers is the idea that um, um, they may have to back up. The backing up and starting over, I think that that can be maybe more frustrating for um, pantsers maybe than it is for plotters Um, because it's, I'm trying to see if I can art- how to articulate this. It's their style to just kind of move on the currents. And when they hit a dam, it's like, but I already traversed this section of the river. Well, what do I do now? Um, and so it's really frustrating. Now, there are plotters also who get really frustrated by having to back up, but plotters usually have a little bit more warning that they've hit a problem. They don't usually write into the problem. Does that make sense? Pantsers yeah. tend to write themselves right into the problem, whereas plotters tend to see the problem coming. So it, yes, Ellie, backing up interferes with their flow. So plotters see the problem coming. They don't typically fall head headlong into it. Now, every once in a while, I pass right by the problem, and then I went, wait a minute. <laughs> Whoa, I, I completely missed that there was a big old plot hole there. But with pantsers, they pants themselves right to a hard stop, and then they're super frustrated. Understandably, it's just it's a different strategy than it's a different it's a different dynamic than what a plotter goes through. Plotters usually don't like write a sentence and realize they've fallen headlong into a point of no return. Um, and because you're so in that flow, it, it probably feels maybe a little bit more like a violation of your process to back up, as Ellie said. Um, but I think that part of building the skill of a pantser is accepting that there are times that you're going to have to back up and learning to do it practice doing it and learning to be okay with it because there's no wasted writing i mean we, we i mean people get very frustrated like i wasted all that time i wasted all that effort i wasted all that energy but it's never there's nothing wasted just because you don't get to share it or it's not publishable in your mind doesn't mean that it's wasted you learned something you wrote something you figured out a way not to do that actually believe in a point of no return. Um, I just don't. I can fix it. <laughs> it's fixable. As I said, I can fix anything. You present me a plot problem and I can't come up with a solution to it. Um, but the first thing I would encourage you to do when you hit that point is step back. That's the first thing you do is you step back from it mentally, maybe physically, maybe you set the paper down, you step away from your computer and you take a deep breath and then you talk about it. Problems magnify when they rattle around in our head. Okay. I was writing, I was working. Exactly. Claire. Exactly. 
Exactly. Stop collaborating. Listen. Um, you need to I, totally I go would... full ice, ice baby on it. Yeah. <laughs> I was writing um, on my QB or one of them, and I all of a sudden felt, felt like I had just had this monumental plot hole in my story. And it actually wasn't even a plot hole, but it was more of a failure to properly appreciate the motivation for something. So I went into chat and I said, I have a plot hole. And I, 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 my fingers won't even type anymore. And I, I hadn't even gotten to that point in the story yet, but I realized the problem. And it was like, I couldn't work on what I was, the part that didn't have a problem because I was so stuck on a fundamental to me, a fundamental pivotal point of the story was fucked up. So I said I got a problem, and I think Kira said something like, "Explain, and I shall dispense wisdom," or something like that, which kind of yeah, I did. Me up. So I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I shall so dispense I, wisdom. So I explained my issue, and I said, "There's just no way for this thing to happen because um, there's no way that you know so and so would know about this thing," and. Uh, Kira just she she had a completely different spin on it because I had 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 assumed that this action would be occurring for the reason that I had plotted it to be occurring, but Kira saw that there's like multiple other reasons why that action would occur that actually made more sense than what I had what I had put in my plot. So it was not a question of a plot holes, which is a question of motivation for that action to occur. The impetus for that action was off in my plot document. Um, and, and I did, in fact, dispense wisdom. <laughs> yeah, she did dispense wisdom. And it was just, it was her first, her first sentence, this is like I phrase it in a way without, her, the first thing she said after I explained the problem was, um, his lover wouldn't be upset at the mention of someone stalking him. And I went, well, when you put it that way, <laughs> and I was just, I was so huffy about it because, she was absolutely right, but I just got all huffy, like, well, will you put it that way? <laughs> and it was so, it was so straight to the thing. In my head, it was this insurmountable thing. It was this, I've, I've totally failed. This, this is the, the crux of the story. And it, I mean, the, the climax of the story revolves around this and the, and my, the impetus for action is, is totally wrong. And, um, and Kira was like, well, but this, I don't think there's an issue with the impetus for action here. And she cut right through it. But in my own head, it had rattled around and magnified into this huge insurmountable thing. And she just cut through it like butter. You do not have a problem. And I was like, oh, I don't have a problem. Back to work. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but sometimes you need that outside perspective. A lot of times, when you have a problem, it will magnify in your own brain. Sometimes just talking it out to yourself can de-escalate it. But if it doesn't, talking to somebody else helps tremendously. Um, just like Claire said, stop collaborating with them. Um, and for real, the character in question would be really fucking upset if his lover was being stopped. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's just you can you can 
you may be, and I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not privy to your plot problems, but you may be amplifying it in your own mind. What's going wrong with your plot? Um, there may be less of a problem than you think there is. There may be a solution that you haven't thought of. Uh, if this is why a writer's community is so important that they have somebody that can be a sounding board for them. And you're more than welcome you, to go into the writer's table on Facebook and do that or do that on Rough Trade. We have a forum for that as well. Just, you know, reach out and say, hey, this is my plot. This is what's happened. This is my big-ass plot hole. <laughs> I could use and if, you, if, it's a Q, if you're just a QB and you want to um, talk privately to somebody, you can post over on the QB forum. You can just ask for a private bounce buddy, somebody that maybe has experience with that. And um, um, can help you offline. And maybe if you're not comfortable talking it out on the forum or whatever, even if it's not a QB story, you just ask somebody who's maybe on Facebook or who is maybe on Google Hangouts who can come and chat with you for a little bit. Um, having a bounce buddy, sometimes problems get solved in the, just in a blink. It's just done. And sometimes they, and sometimes what you do is the other thing that can happen is that the person can kind of go, yeah, I don't, I don't really see a solution to your issue. Um, although I would hope that if you have somebody who's like experienced with kind of is also a writer, that they would help you come up with some kind of alternate approaches. We did have another question up at the top, but um I lost track of it. I grabbed, I grabbed, I grabbed a couple of them. I think. I'm actually did that help, Sam Brave, or did we just make it worse? Because we don't want to make it worse. <laughs> okay, somebody had a question about the quantum bank. They had a story they never finished, but did post what they had. It was like ten plus years ago. Um, can I use that for the basis of my story? Um, I think you're splitting hairs. Um, personally, <laughs> ten years or ten days, you still posted it. Yeah. Well, if you're taking um, the plot from the story, but not the actual story itself. Um. I think we have somebody else who's doing a rework on a past work. They're, um, they're recycling their plot. Sort of. Um, as long as it's not the same story, I don't, I don't care. Just, you know, yeah, if you, if, it, but if the stuff you posted, you generally shouldn't use. But you can use your own ideas. You could do a, a rework of something you've written. You can take inspiration. I mean, sometimes I work with the same trope three or four times with the same two characters, and you know, it's just something you do. You work on an idea until you're happy with it. Um, 
the other thing I thought was a question wasn't actually a question. I think it was a response to stuff we were talking about. Uh, so I think that's the only other question so far. Yeah, that's it. If anybody else has questions. I did find a really cool graphic designer thing today. I posted a link on, um, on, um, the writer's table called, it's called photojet.com. F O T O J E T.com. Really cool. I had a lot of fun with it. You can do collages and all kinds of stuff. Um, it's got a really good price, thirty nine for a whole year, and I'm thinking about getting it. I'm I've really enjoyed myself today playing with it because <laughs> I couldn't. I it wasn't that I couldn't write. It's just I wanted to do something else instead. <laughs> Sometimes you want to be creative, but you don't want to, you know. So I was like, I'll just go play with this thing, and I did, and I I, I really enjoyed myself. <clears throat> Okay, Ellie question. Um, uh, okay, go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to do Ellie's question. Go ahead and read it out. Yeah, she says, what do you do when you have, are having trouble with your character's motivation? At this point, I have everything I need for the first half of the story, and I'm hoping the character will kind of show it to me as I write. How do you go about it? Uh, character motivation is, is really integral, integral to how I plot. I am character-driven in my plotting, so... I really sort the motivations and stuff out early on. So I would. This is one of those things I would need a more specific example. Um, and the thing is, if you're if you're already that deep into your plot process, you might actually already have your motivation. You're just not recognizing it. True. Your your character can be driven by external motivations and internal motivations. Often external motivations will shape or influence the internal ones. Um, and this this becomes a um, kind of an offensive player in your story. Uh, whereas a defensive player will be, they shape physical events based on their internal wants. Okay, go ahead. No, you can go ahead. No, I was I was done, but now I'm like, what? <laughs> well, we we plotted, um, we did a plot drift, um, and I I don't remember I don't remember much about I don't remember much about the drift in, other than somehow in this plot drift, Don was going to become. The administrator, Don Epps, is going to be the administrator of Atlantis. He's going to take over running the city. And um, we were struggling with, or I was struggling with, how did, why would Don go? Because we decided Charlie would be there too. Um, and I was like, wh- how, how do they leave? How do they leave? How do they leave? And we were struggling with how, how to get them there because that's a difficult sell for somebody who's got a really tight family tie, is, is you know. I remember this and, now. Yeah, and you said, I think that Alan has to have died. So we were struggling with um, um, Don's motivation for going, and there really wasn't an external event that was going to get in there um, at the, at, when we were plotting it. 
and internally I couldn't definitely couldn't get there with internal motivation because he had such connection to his father and Charlie wasn't going to leave his dad and Don wasn't going to leave Charlie. And then it was like Kira said, I, I think Don, I think Alan has to die. And we were both like instantly sad because that, that really was the answer to the, the motivation issue. Um, I mean, that it really is the only way I can see Don. I mean, but they wouldn't both go. No, but I, think I don't that think Don would follow Charlie out there if Alan was gone. Right, I agree. And we, so we, we, it was, it was, we had this plot idea, but it was stuck on why the hell would they go? So, and then the, there was, we did come up with a solution to the motivation. So, um, Kira did anyway, and I got kind of misty and couldn't deal. <laughs> but. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes, sometimes something sad is a really profound, you know, motivator. Sometimes a beloved character's death is why um, something happens. So So she says uh, she can't decide if her character is misguided or evil. And then go ahead with the next. Yeah, because Ellie says she can't decide if her character is misguided or evil. Um, But in that situation, say you had Amita trying to stop it. Is her motivation... So let's let's look at misguided Amita versus evil Amita. Um, Guided... Um, she's worried Charlie will be hurt. Um, she doesn't know all the details. She's just trying to look out for him and make sure he doesn't get taken advantage of by the government. She's being, maybe she's being really obstructionist, thinking she's doing him a good thing. Um, maybe this takes place in the, at the point in the show where she wasn't interested in pursuing a relationship because of her career. But, you know, that he might go on a long-term assignment somewhere where he we out of touch. You know, maybe that's too much of a reality check for her, and she's kind of upset. Um, evil Amita would be she's been recruited by the trust. Or she wants the job for herself. Yeah. She's trying to throw obstacles and roadblocks. Maybe she's bad-mouthing Charlie um, to try to get him, make him lose his security clearance so that she can get the position herself. Um, Which is an internal motivation, and the trust would be an external motivation. Yeah. So, and and in trying to, now, I think the real issue is, is not, so that's the case of what evil Amita would look like versus... Um, versus misguided but the question is which would you use and it depends upon it's not like flipping a coin because it depends upon what would serve I don't remember what that that I actually would need to go find that podcast and I'm pretty sure it had something to do with Tony because I usually plot Tony on Atlantis but whatever um we did a we did a episode we did a thing where Don Epps goes to Atlantis that was the oh that was the plot drift 
Yeah. Oh, okay. And so it was just Dawn. had various ways. Yeah, it was just Dawn. And um, the best way we needed to get him out there was to put Charlie on Atlantis. <laughs> right. And the best way to get them both off the planet was to kill their daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so if I want to write misguided verses, it's easier to wrap up misguided. Okay. Misguided can be kind of a subplot, a brief subplot that maybe you have Rodney deal with it where he just kind of puts his foot down and goes, no, we, we see what you're doing and it, you're not going to mess Charlie up, you know, um, or whatever. But if it's evil, Anita, that's a little bit, depending upon which evil, I'm oh, sorry, I got my misguided evil mixed up. If she's just, Charlie has to deal with it if she's just trying to protect him. He has to go and put his foot down and say, I don't need you taking care of me on set. That's a minor thing to address, and it doesn't affect the overall plot arc. If she's evil because she wants to go, that's a little bit, probably a little bit more involved. That might be somebody from the SGC getting involved and telling her to knock it off, that she's risking jail or something like that for interfering for the shit that she's pulling, that could be a little bit longer to deal with. It becomes a little bit more significant in the story because you have to pull in other characters. If it's an external thing, like she's been recruited by the trust, that is a major plot point because that means the trust is kind of, is trying to fuck with Atlantis. So if you're not prepared to follow that through, that's not the route you want to go. Story is not about the trust trying to get someone on Atlantis, a scientist on Atlantis. Um, if that's not what your story is going to be about, then you wouldn't want to have her that be what she's up to. I agree. I mean, the more intricate your character's motivations are, the the, the bigger they play into your plot. But if you need her now and you need her to go away later, I would go with a misguided. Because Miss Gotti can be redeemed and evil is a little harder. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, that, but it, it it matters. I mean, I don't know what, is this a main character? Not a main character. I mean, is this a, a secondary character? Are they like significant to the plot? Or are they like tertiary and they're just causing problems off on the side? While we're waiting for her to answer. Um, Edie's <laughs> um, plotting murder because, in the chat room. <laughs> if the char- if the character is not significant to your plot overall, having them be evil can feel kind of um, contrived. contrived. Yeah, it can feel very contrived, like the two dimensional villain. Um, because it's it's difficult. Someone who's who's misguided can be kind of just you serve out their their plot point and you just kind of writes them out of the story and they're done um, someone who's really evil who's causing a problem a major problem you can't just um, write that out so easily that, that's that's a longer a longer thread that you have to pull through your story yeah I'll go with if it's just a secondary tertiary character that you're not going to feature heavily later, I would go with a misguided option just because misguided is easier to set aside in your plot. And evil yeah. requires more more um, attention and more work. 
I agree. And honestly, anytime you're, I would say in general, if you're undecided on that kind of decision, you would want to go with misguided because that'd be where I would lean. It's going towards misguided if I was undecided, just because evil is is a bigger plot impact. Really, an an evil character most often is a central character, not a side character. Um, Voldemort is evil. His Death Eaters are something else entirely. Dumbledore Some of them are His manipulated. Something else entirely. Right. Well, yeah, they're well, yeah. When it comes to professors, um, misguided, um, manipulated, lied to. But there are some Death Eaters that are... Drowning in ignorance. Which is no excuse for their behavior. But it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say Peter Pettigrew is evil. I would say he's a coward. Beltrix is crazy. And evil. And evil. But I would say mostly crazy. You look at someone like Hagrid, who is misguided. And blindfully trusting Dumbledore. And you look at someone like um, Minerva, she's, she's blinded by loyalty. And manipulated. Up enough in canon. Bella they said in the chat room that we don't know what Bella was like before Azkaban. Well, we do know that she was fucked up enough to torture two people to insanity and become a Death Eater. Well, that could be the evil part, you know. Um, was she evil and then she became crazy, or was she crazy all along and, and her acts were evil? And it, I don't think we have enough information to be. You could you could set some of the things in fan fiction. You could spin it either way. Well, her parents were related. Well, true, but so were Andromeda and Narcissus, and they weren't crazy. There's no, but neither one of them were particularly. I mean, even Sirius was a little off. <laughs> I would say that the inbreeding in the black family was a little telling. Yeah, they needed to. <laughs> they, they needed to break out a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the thing is, it is ambiguous enough, and there are enough things in canon that you could write her as just flat out crazy, and she does really awful things. Or you could say that she was just pure evil, and and that she became crazy in Azkaban. There's there's really enough ambiguity to go either way with with that if 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 you wanted to. Um, Where are we? Oh, mo- oh, evil versus misguided. Okay, so let's say um, let's let's try a character like um, some characters can be evil or misguided depending upon um, like if Bella is is evil, but she's not like she can be flood and especially in like a Harry Potter universe, you can have like a lot of evil people floating around in the periphery because there just were a lot of bad people. Um, okay. Um, there just were a lot of bad people. Um, 
Oh. Okay. Um. <laughs> that tone was telling. Hmm. Okay, here's the thing. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna text this to Kira too, so we can talk around it. We're 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 getting pretty good at that talking around things. We are. We're getting really good at it. Um, here's the thing: is that. The whole there's there's a when characters ostensibly are good characters who do bad things, deciding if that's misguided or um, evil is it, it is really difficult. I would always kind of personally slant towards evil, maybe not deliberately evil. Um, let's take Gibbs for example okay Um, he's not an evil character clearly but he's so morally ambiguous that he's not misguided either he he's let people he has personal connections to get away with murder while being, while having an oath of office, while having a standard of care. And so he's so, he's so in canon to me, he's so morally compromised that he can't be considered good and he can't be considered misguided. But he's also not, to me, would meet the burden for evil. So, I would say he's ostensibly a good character, but probably not actually a good character because I have a, it's for me, I have a hard time with characters who, who are in that gray area where they pretend to be righteous when their actions don't, don't meet the set standard. Um, you have characters like Gibbs, um, Dumbledore, uh, Scott McCall. Um, it's you can put a, you can put of, slant, a list of dickheads. Yeah, I'm going to put a list of dickheads for you. Um, But so I think you're actually probably walking a middle ground where it's between the two. They're not misguided. Um, in some fashion, using the Gibbs example, he's he's self righteous, quite frankly. And I don't know if that meets the standard for evil, but it but it does mean he's not a good person, right? But he's also not mis- but misguided doesn't fit either. So I think you, maybe the thing you're trying to determine is how much of a pull on your plot maybe it has. And with somebody like that, if they play any kind of significant role in the story, they're going to have their motivations and that whole issue is going to be um, 
it also comes down to a position of power. How much power does this person have over your main character at any given point in your story? Because that plays as well. Having read what you sent, um, what we see in um, society is we often see people's bad acts listed um, or said to be evil, that you have to be evil to to kill somebody. Um, you have to be evil to abuse a child. Um, you have to be evil to ruin somebody's life. And the thing is, is that evil is a social construct. It's a religious as that. Um, and I, I would say that um, calling somebody evil kind of... Um, The implication is is that if they're evil, they're being influenced by something, the devil um, or whatever, and that maybe they're not entirely responsible for their actions. Evilness that's in them is responsible for the things that they do. But I think you can be a perfectly sane, reasonable person and do terrible bad things. I actually think okay. So let's compare let's compare Dumbledore to Voldemort. Um, okay. On the self right self righteous versus evil. Okay. So let's call Dumbledore self righteous, and Voldemort evil. Voldemort probably has a degree of insanity, if not a large degree of insanity, influencing his actions. So his actions are evil, and he is a, a he's the boogeyman. Okay. So that would be your if, let's say that's the bar for evil. Um, well, where does Dumbledore fit into that spectrum? Um, I actually, for me, it's easier for me as a reader to deal with a character that is just full on like Voldemort as the bad guy. Okay, that, that kind of uh, that uh, to call that evil. A character, it's more insidious when you have the character who is self righteous. Who believes that they and and they manipulate and gaslight people and that kind of subtle abuse in the pursuit of um, the greater good um, can be really uncomfortable uh, as, uh, because it feels more real because most people who are really damaging and destructive that we meet in life are not full on evil. They are they're not crazy either. They're abusive for whatever reason. They think they're right and that what they want should supersede what you want. Um, yeah, I am talking about Canon Dumbledore. Dumbledore had a vision. He That's canon that Harry had to die. That was his vision. He also put Harry in a home where he knew he would suffer and did it anyway. So I don't think you can call that misguided. Okay, it's like... You can call it manipulative. It's manipulative in a really ugly way. And there's quite a lot of gaslighting between Dumbledore and Harry, in canon, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Um, but look at the Emperor and um, Darth Vader as a, sort of a slightly different example of evil versus you can't call really call Anakin Skywalker misguided, but he definitely was lost. Um, and he did very, very, very bad things, but he wasn't. We we by the end of you know of episode six, you you kind of relate to him in some fashion, right? Um, really, when you look at it, Darth Vader is the most human character in. Starts Star Wars. He he suffers yeah. a psychotic break as a young mm-hmm. man, commits a mass murder, and hides it. If the Jedi Order had known what he did on that planet, they would never have trusted him the way they did. He sure as hell wouldn't have continued to train with Obi Wan, and he wouldn't have been left in charge of Padme's security. But he hid it, and instead of getting help, he was left vulnerable to the Emperor. And he fell to the dark side. Prequels to be kind of a waste of time. But I did, there were, there were big aspects of episode three that I wish they'd had a different actor playing Anakin Skywalker just because I felt like it was so it could have been like so gripping and so gut-wrenching what happened to him but it kind of fell flat in the movie but if you take that out and you just try to you know think about what he went through there was this horrible sense of inevitability in when you're watching episode three um And it was like you could just see the train wreck coming, and it was like you. But you also, it, it was really, it was really painful. And I think when you, one of the things to ask yourself about your question, your character, is are they more like the emperor, like master, you know, chess player with no regard for um, anybody or anything other than amassing more power, and. Um, will do and say anything to lure and seduce people to his powerful people to his cause and his side. And if he can't seduce you over, he'll just kill you. I mean, is it that kind of character? I would put that on the evil spectrum. I would put on, on the spectrum, if it's a spectrum between misguided and evil, you know, Darth Vader is more, it's on more on the misguided side of the spectrum. Um, Depending upon your view of Dumbledore and Voldemort, you could put either of them on either end. You could either look at Dumbledore as being more misguided and Voldemort as being evil, or you could reasonably flip them and put Voldemort more on the misguided side and Dumbledore more on the evil side. It just depends upon how you interpret those kinds of behaviors and what what things you have them do. You also need to keep in mind is what you want your character to do later. How important is your character to your um, 
to your climax and to your resolution? Um, are his are are his or her motivations um, impactful to later events in your book? Uh, you look at the actions of, say, Dumbledore in canon all the way through to the end of the Deathly Hallows. You see him continuously manipulating Harry. Over and over and over again, even in the afterlife, he's manipulating Harry. So even, you know, even in his death, Dumbledore has an agenda, and that agenda is the end of Tom Riddle. Um, um, which I think he might if, see as a mistake he made in his youth. He views Riddle as his mistake. And and it's Harry's job to fix Dumbledore's mistake, whatever the cost to Harry may be. So if you're writing a character like Dumbledore and you're trying to make that decision, it would be kind of what? how much impact does that character have on your main character and your main plot? Um, and if you're writing NCIS and your character, you're trying to decide if Gibbs is, is misguided or evil, I would probably always slant Gibbs towards. Actually, he's so dead in the middle because he's so morally kind of morally bankrupt in canon to me that I can't call him evil or misguided. He's just, some people are just so narcissistic that they're like a void. But anyway, um, whether or not that matters, his misguidedness versus him just being an asshole um, depends upon how, you know, if I'm writing a story about Tony moving to Hawaii and banging Steve for the rest of his days. Um, Yay! Whether <laughs> Gibbs, where bang, he falls bang. on that spectrum, depends upon how much of an obstacle I want Gibbs to be in Tony achieving the ultimate orgasm. So if um, if 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 I if my plot is about overcoming getting past the hurdle of Gibbs, I'd probably skew him a little bit more um, towards exploring the morally bankrupt side of him um, if I want him to be, but I can work, you know, skew, I'll go towards the misguided angle and have him be supportive of Tony leaving. So it depends on what my purpose of my story is. And also how much of an obstacle you want your bad guy to be near the end. If you want your bad guy to be a serious obstacle, then obviously he has to be kind of over the top, he or she. Um, over the top. So evil misguided or point. evil. But if you want them to go away quietly, you really need to go with misguided. Because <laughs> if you because otherwise they become a big obstacle in your plot later. Which is why I now, honestly think that J.K. Rowling killed Dumbledore in book six. Yeah, I actually now because Dumbledore became misguided. a obstacle. You can take somebody misguided and have them be a big plot obstacle. You take somebody like Abby, who thinks she knows what everybody should be doing, has a lot of ability to throw um, technological obstruction at people, like tracking them down, 
putting freezes on their bank accounts. She could be misguided, but acting in a really evil way. So you could take somebody misguided and have them do really, really, really bad things and have them be a big problem. But it, yeah. you have to have, I think, I think if you're going to have somebody who's misguided like that, being misguided and being that obstructionist, there needs to be a canon foundation for them to be that obstructionist in their misguidedness. Abby is a character you could do that with. Dumbledore is a character that could be misguided and extremely obstructionist about it. Um, uh, Tim could do it as well. Um, i trying to think of who else could be. Um, Molly Weasley is a character who could be um, misguided. I tend to slant her more towards evil, but she could be misguided and be very obstructionist about it. Um, Because you have to have a character that's a little bit over the top and tends to go to extremes. Ron, maybe, but I tend to see him as so ineffectual that it's hard for me to make him a major problem. Unless he's killing somebody by shooting him in the back. Yeah, there's that. Um, now, see, like Arthur, it could be misguided and be a problem, but you, it'd be a hard sell for him to be a major obstacle because he just isn't over the top enough to be taking crazy wackadoodle actions because he's misguided. But a character what? who is... What if... This is, I just had a weird plot bunny. What if the night that... Harry and Dumbledore go to the um, cave, Dumbledore and Arthur Weasley had traded places. You Snake like killed Arthur or... Weasley. Yeah. <gasps> and Snake oh, killed wow. Arthur Weasley. And then Dumbledore has to pretend to be Arthur Weasley. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if that's a graphic or a horror novel. <laughs> it could be both. As <laughs> he has to go home and sleep with Molly. He can't just hang around the castle. Maybe that was their plan. Maybe that was their plan the whole time. And they set Molly uh, they set Arthur up to die and, and put him under an imperious. So he told Harry to to poison him on purpose. And I thought the poison would kill him, but it didn't. And then he gets back to Hogwarts with Harry and Snape kills him. <laughs> Jesus, you've got a twisted mind. Um, <laughs> yikes. And presumably, if that's what they're doing, Dumbledore must want to live and he must want to spend the rest of his life with Molly Weasley. Ew. <laughs> um. Everybody's freaking out. <laughs> I read a crack fic once where um, Dumbledore was actually Percy's father. <laughs> or was it Fudge? I can't remember. It was terrible either way. <laughs> How many stories has it been? There, it's like it's like a trope where like Jenny and Ron, not anybody else, but Jenny and Ron are, are the children of either Dumbledore. Um. Pettigrew or Filch. I see this like over and over with the alternate parent thing, and it's always someone horrifying. <laughs> somebody asked about. So somebody asked about Rodney up above. Were you asking about Rodney in terms of being misguided or evil? 
I wasn't sure what the context was. If I ever, if I ever wrote Rodney going over the edge, he would definitely be evil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just, be like, he's got to go. Okay, Rodney, whatever you think. <laughs> he's got to go full on. Full throttle. They have a chat about your reading materials. Do I even want to know who the other one's parent was? If you're, Boo said she read a fic where Ginny and Rom were the only ones of the Weasleys that were actually Mr. Weasley's kids. Um, I remember this. Percy was Fudges. Um, the twins belonged to Sirius Black. Um, Charlie was Hagrid's. And I forget who Will's father was. You're, you're telling me that, that somebody wrote a story <laughs> where Sir, Sirius banged Molly? Yeah, they were both drunk. Um, but what? Who was Bill's daddy? It might have been a goblin. I don't think so, though. Was this crap? I thought in that thing that that Jenny was actually um, uh, Lily Evans' father's baby, which made Jenny and Lily sisters. All right, so he's got to find me this link. <laughs> That's just and, we couldn't we, and, and we couldn't Arthur, find the. And Arthur ends up going into the Muggle world, and he becomes the Prime Minister of Great Britain. <laughs> Somebody definitely has to find me this link. We couldn't find the we couldn't find the Dolores, you know, and and the the witches cabal. Um, Saves Harry turns him into a little Lord story. So I, I need this one. We can't we can't pick tease me two nights in a row. <laughs> but Ellie, I I think that I think that some characters are very clearly on one end or the other, the misguided or the evil thing. Um, I think that you know the character you're you're writing may be more towards the middle, um, somewhere somewhere in the middle there. Uh, but I think it's really more. I don't think you. I don't think you can describe misguided to some of the actions you described. So I think you might be left with self righteous, <laughs> um, which can be very dangerous. Someone who thinks that they're right no matter what is very dangerous. Very. Really. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a little short at the bottom of one of the chapters in, in the Harry Potter and the Champions Champion. We're not thick shaming you much. <laughs> I can't Your be thick shaming you. My king, and to... that's okay. <laughs> I can't be thick shaming you if I asked you to go get me the link. Link. <laughs> Trust me, I understand about the late night or drunk, you know, <laughs> diving for dive. awful things to read. Sometimes you just like, I want something really terrible, so you find it for me. <laughs> but it has to be a special kind of terrible because, I mean, I've got a list of authors I avoid if I just want any kind of terrible. I, I want special terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I have a list too. 
And no, I'm not sharing it because that would be rude. <laughs> it would be very rude. We would never do that. If anybody else has any questions, I don't think I noticed any other questions. Chat got really moving for a few seconds there, so. So for those of you on the podcast, if you want to see the Omake about or the Omak, whatever you want to call it, uh, where Lily, where where Molly slept around a lot, it's at the end of chapter nine in um, Harry Potter and the Champions Champion, and you can find it on fanfiction.net. I think that's pronounced Omaki, but if if anybody knows, I would appreciate knowing because I have read that word since I came into fandom, and I've never. And I have no it. idea. I assumed it came out of anime, which makes your pronunciation seem more realistic. Omake or Omaki? Key. Key. Omaki. Okay. Okay. It's Omaki. Okay. Um, so, questions, 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 questions. We need questions. We need questions. You don't want us to sing. It would be bad. Well, it would be bad if I did it. I don't know about Jilly. Although, the, the other day, it would be I terrible. It would be terrible. I was writing, and um, if there is anybody on this planet who can listen to Bohemian Rhapsody without singing, I don't want to know you. Um, so I was in here singing my ass off to Bohemian Rhapsody, as one does, and I got caught. And my husband laughed his ass off. So then we were well, both entertained. If, if if you two haven't sung Bohemian Rhapsody together after all this time, I don't know what to say. <laughs> no, we have. We totally have. We, we've had several moments in the car with Prince, too, because you can't leave Prince on the radio by himself. Just saying. Hope you got a belt out uh, Purple Rain with him like it's your favorite song when it comes on the radio. That's a requirement. <laughs> so Hope asks, what's just for fun, what's the crackiest thing you've ever written? Um, I have, I think the crack, I I may be forgetting something, but I think the crackiest thing, um, I've ever written was that little short where all of the Omega dragons get turned into little baby dragons and Gibbs, when, when only Gibbs is around and he has to try to wrangle them. I think that's the crackiest thing I've ever written. I I think that probably I think you're right, Penumbra, and I might have just um, conflated that with another story with Umbridge in it. She said the story from last night that I was talking about, where they kind of save Harry when he's very young, it's called the Witch's Conspiracy by the White Angel of Ar Arlon. Ar Arlon, I don't know. Um, and it's on fanfiction.net. It's called The Witch's Conspiracy by the White Angel of Aralon. Um, But uh, there is a fic where, where Umbridge is involved. Because um, I found it really surprising. I was like, whoa. <laughs> My crackiest fic. I'm going to go with Monsters, Inc., actually. the end of it john gets a baby dragon <laughs> and if that's not crack i don't know what it is 
Although the one where Darcy gets turned into She-Hulk is pretty cracky too, but I do think that Monsters Inc. is probably my crackiest fic. I think my crackiest fic of of, of any kind of length, because I think this 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 the Little Wyverns, the title is Little Wyverns. I I want to say it's less than a thousand words. Um, no, that's my not crack. Is, I take that story where Darcy is uh, Tony's daughter completely seriously. I've considered writing a full length novel to it. <laughs> Her turning into She-Hulk cracky. <laughs> yeah. I think my cracky story that's longer is probably adaptable. John that's is very adaptable. Because John, John just insisting his adaptableness <laughs> that's like 10,000 words is, yeah, that's You're very that adaptable. Although if I were to write that, because I had originally plotted that as a series all the incidents that I reference occurring in that story, I'd originally plotted that as a series of episodes with each incident happening. That wouldn't have come out cracky, but I think that just that sort of um, sort of past perfect narrative, you know, sort of expositive take of the events of Styles' life did come out kind of cracky. I he is married he to a tree. Marry a tree. He didn't marry a tree, but he his wife did become a tree. So you can't really blame John for marrying a tree. It wasn't his fault. <laughs> and, and he has to decide if he wants to be a tree. Um yeah. Eventually, and Live get planted with his wife in Australia. <laughs> I would agree, as I, I do think that the potato gun orc incident probably is your crackiest fix. Uh, I would I would hope that's your crackiest. If it's not, I, I don't know where else. I, actually, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to challenge you. I'm not doing it. I'm not throwing down that gauntlet because it might scar me for life. But it would amuse me. She might start not scarring you for life. Just the just the gauntlet. Oh no, no tentacles. No tentacles. Although I recently wrote a really, really funny ass line about gen- about, gen- about gentle t- tentacles that I can't share with anybody because it's in my quantum bang. <laughs> well, you did do but tentacles was- in a story, right? You referenced it. Always. When you start in, Not always. Was that in Raft? Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it was in it was in my Star Trek series. It was in Tangled Destinies, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. Was it in Tangled Destinies? No. No, 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 no. It's the one, yeah, yeah, you're right. It is Wrath. Because uh, Amanda asked Bones if it was true, and he was like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. Because he slept with a couple of aliens who had tentacles. (laughs) And they're down there. Yeah, it's not on screen, though. As would put it on screen, and we, I, I, I wouldn't be able to deal. Uh, so I'm not challenging. I would I would never challenge. Oh, it. although I really once I read a fic where Spock had tentacles. He had genital tentacles, and it was actually it was kind of charming because um, Jim um, had been injured severely during an incident and couldn't have anal sex with a human, um, 
And so he kept putting off on a relationship with, with Spock because he didn't want to deprive him of penetrative sex, only to find out that, that Spock's um, genital arrangement made that conversation kind of moot. <laughs> oh, boy. I, his I have read occasionally bother the injury at all. Well, there you go. How, how and they had a really good time, so to speak. Yeah, they had a really good time. <clears throat> it's a good thing. I have. I have to. I have to say, I prefer. Well, you got to send me the link then. If you're gonna tell me it's a good fic, you got to send me the link. Um, now I gotta find it. It's, I have, it's been a decade. I, I would rather read tentacles than teeth. Genital teeth freak me out. I don't like being surprised by genital teeth. <laughs> so, just saying. You're reading a story, you're cruising along, sex is happening, and all of a sudden there's teeth. Oh, look, there's like, teeth now. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's just put it this way. You know how there's knotting stories, right? And, like, there's supposed to be the knot holds them together, right? Well, this is like a spin on that, except at the moment of orgasm, there's teeth that come out and secure you to your partner um be sure that you stay together yeah it wasn't good and it was a surprise <laughs> for me and for the person being teased <laughs> so <laughs> i i was like oh no i had a little bit of the maidenly vapors and found a quick a quick exit with the x at the top of the screen Actually, I find the teeth worse worse than the barbed penis. I just, I, I it freaked me out. So, I don't know why people need to do that. Okay, it's just, uh. and then I'm sitting there thinking, whatever happened to a good old fashioned tentacle? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I. I made the mistake of trying to find this link for you, and I googled, and I regret my life choices. Oh no! Tell me there's not images. There are images. Uh, yes, um, there are images. But you know what? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I didn't read this online. I think I might have read Did it out of the No, I didn't oh. write it. <laughs> Just If I, I it'd be on my site. I'm not ashamed. What? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I forget that I write something. So I, um, yeah, one time I almost posted on a sick finder group trying to find a story, and it was my own. <laughs> oh, that would be so bad. I actually, because I, I was actually talking to somebody, somebody, somebody and I am, and they, I said, they, I don't remember how it came up, but she said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just, I'm trying to find this story, and I was going to post in a sick finder group about it. And and she said, well, what's, what's the story? Maybe I can help. And I described it to her. She said, isn't that your story? Like, <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, shit. Once, once I saw a story uh, somebody looking for on a fanfic group, and I said, that list sounds really familiar. So I go down to the um, comments to see if somebody's found it. Yeah, the first comment was a link to It was yours? Yes. <laughs> And worse, it was what might have been. How the hell could I not have recognized what might have been? <laughs> I 
was like, well, wow, I'm really glad I didn't respond to this because <laughs> that's really embarrassing. So, I have to say sometimes the things other people pick up on in my stories and the things, the way they describe it, it doesn't sound like my story to me. I, I wouldn't have, like, I, I responded on a Thick Finder group once to a story. I said, well, elements of that are similar to something I wrote, but I think it more closely fits, you know, this other story. And, no, they meant mine. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, yes, I'll shut up now. So people see different things in it. But, yeah, it's. I wonder what they were asking for and what might have been, what 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 that they had called out on that they were searching for that made it seem so unfamiliar. Or at least not immediately recognizable. Well, fan lore is actually good for something. I think I found it. Oh, that was rude. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I I do find, fan lore, it's got such a bias, but I do find that for finding older stuff, um, it, like they tend to really pick up on a list, you know, like the groundbreaking works in a fandom or in a genre or in a trope or whatever. And so if you're looking for like, who's the first person who did this, you might be able to find it on Famar. No, that's not it. But he definitely has tentacles in that. That's just not it. Um, I don't. As was in the corner when we came into the podcast. But Ellie has not done anything to be put in the corner tonight so far. We still got 34 minutes. So. So if anybody. But yeah, we do have time for her to make it to the corner. If anybody else has questions. Uh, Fanlore is, is a site for fandom. Um, and. It's 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 useful. Yeah. Oh, doesn't OTW run it now? I don't know. I think they do. I think it's basically think it so. became. I think the, I think the organization for transformative works picked it up, um, and I so it's basically a sister site of um, AO3 now, if that's correct. And the organization for transformative works runs both Sandmore um, and Archive of Our Own. So. Uh, and they also run Open Doors, um, they have uh, Fan Hackers, and a few other things. Yeah, you do live in the corner. That's okay, though. We we, we know. We know. But in the story, um, it's uh, it's after the five-year mission, I believe, and it's, and it's in the original series fandom. It's not AOS, TOS. Um and I want to say that Jim had a sexually violent experience. I don't want to trigger anybody or talk about it. Or, but he had been injured in a way anally that did not allow him to have anal sex. And so he um, had avoided relationships with men. And But he was in love with Spock but was trying to – because he couldn't. And he didn't want to, you know, um, explain it or deprive Spock of something that he might enjoy. It was, you know – but Spock's genitalia was not – human and so it it wasn't an issue and um it was it was it's, it's been a decade since i read it uh, i don't think i read it online i used to have this friend who had a whole bunch of fandom zines that she that she'd picked up at conferences and stuff 
And I'm pretty sure I read it from her. And if that's the case, she's living in Canada somewhere. So I'm SOL on finding it. But if somebody has read that and they remember it and might know the name and the the author, that would be great if you would let us know. So. <clears throat> <laughs> What? what? Oh, I just was, I was Googling trying to find. <laughs> oh, yeah, I told you. Uh, no, it, it's something. I found a fic finder for. I just got to read this to you. I mean, anybody can find this. This, 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 this. On the Star Trek fic finder, it says, Hi, people. I'm looking for some Kirk Spock fics that basically deal with Spock's alien penis. I'm thinking the usual Vulcan retractable penis thing, but I'd like I'll also be interested in reading other unusual junk fics. Anyway, so somebody responds and says, I have a delicious tag for that. <laughs> and their tag is Alien Wang. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just, the Alien Wang is just what did it to me. I just can't deal. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't go, I can't go thick diving on something that. Oh. Yeah, you just got to be careful with thick diving and that's, oh, you got to be careful. Especially with that kind of. Anybody who writes Spock with unusual junk definitely needs to ha- tag their story with Alien Wang. We would really appreciate that. I know, right? That Easter egg. No, yeah, you definitely have to do that from now on. Alien Wang. Okay, Boo has Boo a question. Has a, Boo has a question. <sighs> the ice cream is on the porch? I hope you have it in the freezer on the porch. I, I head tilted up so hard I almost sprained my neck. Does it have to be Fox it Junk? Was definitely it was Fox Junk. It was definitely Spock's junk. But the hashtag can go for any alien junk. If you're doing something special with Thor, feel free to hashtag alien way. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> we would definitely appreciate it. Boo's question, have you ever had an idea for a fic, but to write it, it would have to be done in diary format? Um, not in fan fiction, and um, that's all I'm going to say on that. But I do have an idea that I would like to write in letter format. Yes, yes. With mutated junk. I, um, I'm i not sure I'll be able to read that, Deli. We'll have to see. <laughs> Spontaneous mutating penises are, are, could be my kryptonite. I don't know. I am very fond of the dick. <laughs> don't mess with the dick. <laughs> There's been an alien virus and it only affects men's genitals. <laughs> Everybody's like... Uh, science would be turned on its head trying to find a solution to that problem well once but once they couldn't men would just get in and start figuring it out you know they would just be like (laughs) let's see what this can do we are men after all what we do is we stick our penis in things (laughs) now it's just different We'll, we'll figure this out give us a minute oh no if men could pick their sizes, they wouldn't be able to walk. <laughs> I 
Well, they would immediately stop getting laid, and then they would um, <laughs> make a more reasonable choice. Oh, God. Where would it go? <laughs> There's at least so much room in the human body. I'm just saying, where would it go? Well, women have all kinds of things in there that men don't have to deal with, so it must have some space. Yeah, true, true. True. What was Boo's question? I got totally Boo, sidetracked. Uh, Boo's question, I believe it was about oh, the diary. The diary. I think the diary format would be very interesting. Um, you'd want to tell it in first person, obviously. Um, but the problem with the diary format is um, I've seen it done. I mean, obviously, if you've read the Bridget Jones diary, you've seen it done as well. Um, but you have to be on your game to write a diary format because it's um, it's going to be narrative heavy if you stay true to the diary. Um, and that's not always, um, of course, Diary of Anne Frank would be another example of that. It's not always uh, easy to be entertaining in that particular format. Yeah, you could. Uh, I mean, it, you could do like Bridget Jones' diary is is at least in the way it was. I don't remember the book all that well. I read it. I wasn't actually that charmed by it, but I really enjoyed the movie. Um, but it's one of the formats if you're doing relaying <laughs> a, a lot of stuff with with. Um, Diary is it's one of the formats where you can switch between first and third person. The diary entries are obviously done in first person, just like if you were doing letter writing, they, the letters would be in first person. Um, actually, letters might even be written in second person because they'd be writing to someone. Um, and then you could switch into third person narratives for the scenes. You know, you're basically. Um, Would well, actually be probably be a really good exercise. Um, watch The Martian. He does um, video diaries, and um, I'd be better to read it. But it's a really dry scientific read. So um, yeah, uh, but I really enjoyed it. Um, but I kind of like that fact-based science fiction a lot. So it was really. I really, I, I was very entertained by The Martian. Um, so, but the movie, he does video diary and he talks about, you know, his experiments and what he's going to be doing and, you know, being injured um, and everything. And it's really interesting how they shift from diary, video diary to scenes where he's working and moving around and doing things. Um, that might be easier to do than a straight diary format. Yeah, I think straight diaries can get really can be really dry. I read a story once where um, the author, and I could tell you could tell because of the author notes that that this was posted as it was written. Although I read it out once it was complete, that she intended to tell the whole story in letters between two people, um, but that fizzled. I think about a third of the way through, and she's like, "I just can't. It's just not. You know, I gotta." I don't remember exactly what she said in her author note, but basically it wasn't holding her interest 
to just have everything be in these back and forth letters. So um, there were still letters throughout the rest of the story, but it there were scenes in between the letters, which worked much, much better. So uh, it, it is, um, unless your characters have a really entertaining style to their their wordcraft, it could get really boring, really dry. Um, maybe, um, no, I can't, <laughs> that, that crosses a, crosses an identity line, I'll have to shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, uh, Depending on your character's circumstances, you could do video diaries or um, online diary or uh, blogging or even emails to people to, you know, demonstrate passage of time and um, um, things that are happening. I would read a story where Rodney had two penises. For the record. <laughs> I would, too. <laughs> I'd or read the hell one that doubles in size. Either, either <laughs> one that doubles in size or one that just doubles. I am. Um, that's fine. John has a really serious kink for double penetration, and Rodney can handle it all by himself. Yep, I'm all. I'm all in. I don't even want to know what Lady Holder just tried to put in the chat. <laughs> no, I really, I don't either. Based on- if she, if she posted a Play picture role, of a bifurcated girl. penis. We're going to have words. Oh, don't do it. You don't want to go in the corner, do you? It'd be terrible to put my own best friend in the corner, but I would. <laughs> I did. No, in, in one of my... Um, I have to admit I was trolling one of the guys in the class but when I did this. But in one of my public speaking classes in, in college... Um, I decided to do my final um, speech about extreme forms of body modification. And my my slides included pictures of bifurcated tongues and bifurcated penises and um, several of the guys left the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can't traumatize your classmates, who can you traumatize? I got an A on that. I bet you did. He told me, he said, he said, I don't know how I spoke the subject matter. He said, but your ability to get up there and deliver that speech with such unusual material and not stumble, I, you, you would get an A no matter what. <laughs> we still have 20 minutes. Does anybody have any other questions that don't deal with double penises or penises. testicles or, or <laughs> detachable dicks? I think, I think we've... I think we've gone as far as we can go with. Sometimes the plot bunnies that get that breed in the chat room are truly terrifying. I. Oh, Ellie, go get in the corner. He totally derailed me. Um, 
says, not so much a question, but a suggestion for maybe another po- time. Following on from the Redemption podcast yesterday, how about doing one on the other end of the spectrum? Um, someone, preferably one of you, one of our unicorns, turns to the dark side. Whether it's just turning away from the good side team, whatever, or by leaving or actively turning into a crime or vigilante. <laughs> well, that could be fun. That'd be an interesting plot drift. Look, Ellie, werewolves are actually probably my breaking point. I had no idea. Shift your penis. If the whole person is shifting, fine, but is it just a penis? (laughs) Just a penis? (laughs) It just doesn't... (laughs) He has very good control of his shift. Well, I mean... I guess I guess it could be like, you know, um, <laughs> that could be, I don't know, like an adaptation. I, I can't, I can't even, I can't, I can't, I can't go down this path. I can't go into. Now, see, I told you to get in the corner, girl. Get in the corner. <laughs> Selectively shifting <laughs> genitals. <laughs> Fertility. Hey, Wookiees that love is- to. But I don't want to see it or hear it. Actually, I especially don't want to hear it. <laughs> so, if there aren't any more questions, what else should we talk about? Do we have anything un? Put the line in the coconut. No, no Wookie sex noises. We're not doing that on the podcast. Ever. Unfortunately, I can practically hear it, and I just—it's—it's that's an earworm I didn't need. Do not give the death berries to Az. Um, I did actually. I um nail polish um kit little two pack, and she found that she didn't like the color, so she sent it to me um through my mom. And I got it, and I brought it home. And it is um, Sally Henson um, Miracle Gel. And this is, uh, the, the color is Red Eye. Um, and it's a non-UV gel, right? So I thought, okay, I'll put it on and see how long it takes to dry. Dudes, this shit dried in two minutes. And I, mean, I think my shit, I mean, two coats of color and two coats of um, top coat. And I'm done, and they they were they were it's all dry, like in three minutes, four minutes at the most. I don't even know what to do with myself. I only had one hand painted because I didn't want to paint the other hand while I was still trying to write. But you know, I mean, like physically writing the paper with the topics for the show. The Sally Hansen Miracle Gel. It is quite impressive. It's supposed to last two weeks, so we will see, and I will let you guys know later in a later podcast if it lasts two weeks. I'm going to keep it on, see if it lasts. But, yeah. I bought that because you recommended it. Mm-hmm. Are you, have, have you tried it yet? So. I haven't. Um, I saw... I assumed it doesn't, I don't need the actual Sally Jansen gel polish. I can just use my regular polish. 
Did you use it over the Sally Hansen polish, or did you just use regular polish? Um, I used it over the Sally Hansen because it came with the the red. It came with um, red eye as the color, and then it had the top coat as well um, because it's a two-step process. So I used them together just to see. Okay. Um, Um, So there there is a new question. But I will use it um, next time. I'll use, like, um, my China Glaze polish and the top coat and see how it does. So Okay. But we'll see how long this red lasts before that happens. Anyways, I was just, you know, letting you guys know that. Nails, 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 cake. Um, I love cake. I I think being decorated. I think we need a little bit more information about yours, your question. Um, It's a. I'm actually actually not sure what the question is. Um, Well, say what she said on both, so the podcast audience will hear it. The first half of the question was, um, I think she has an idea for a fix-it fix. It involves multiple people coming back, and I'm worried that it might be about making it too easy. And then she's in time travel fix when they know what's happening, and there's five people in this case taking steps to fix the stuff they need to fix. Um, so you're thinking that it's just you might resolve things like, you, you know, you, you send five people back in time and boop everything's resolved in um, 20K. That could happen. I mean, I will say that um, Southern Black was serious very quickly gets a bunch of people in on his time travel um, and a bunch of people in on the information, and they know everything, and they have all the tools, and Voldemort is very quickly defeated. And I, I'm what, like, am I like at 180K right now and nowhere near the end? So, um, what I would say is um, it's very important to keep in mind when you're writing time travel, and I've written several, that um, every change your character makes, it's going to ripple. Um, No matter how much they know, because of free will, they can't control the events that take that that ripple out from their changes. Uh, I suggest you read a story. It's a Harry Potter story. Um, um, it's Harry and Hermione as Help Me Out. They go back in time, and um, Harry runs across Umbridge in the uh, in the Ministry. And he sets her up for a crime, and she goes to Azkaban, and she comes out crazy batshit. I know you've read it. Time Meddlers? And it's a story about unintended consequences. And that's something that you need to keep in mind when you're plotting your time travel, that there will be unintended consequences. Um, And there must be unintended consequences. And your character can't always win. Because then that becomes contrived. I mean, it depends upon what you want to do. Like, if you're sending Harry back in time with a bunch of people to help him, and they all know everything that's going to happen, and they get back in time, and if the point is that they're going to they're going to have the information to defeat Voldemort, and they go back, and they get there, and they defeat him, 
And it's like, oh, well, I mean, that could be like, okay, well, that's done. Um, it took you longer to set up than to get back there. But I would tend to see that as the setup for what was really going to happen. Like, well, in that vacuum, what happens? Okay, you take Baltimore out of play, but then what? There's a, when you take a player off the board in a, in a different time period, that's the ripple effect has to happen. He's gone. There's a void. What fills that void? Now they're unprepared because they don't know anything anymore. I think it's called The Time Meddlers, and it's on fanfiction.net. Um, I'm going to post it in this link right here for you. Um, read that, because it's a story, It's a time travel story, and it really um, it digs in about unintended consequences. Um, and it it's a good lesson. And it's important to remember that when you're writing time travel, that your characters literally cannot control anybody but themselves. And unless they say, because the things that we do and experience and see, that's who we become. We are a sum of our parts, our experiences, our emotional responses. And if you have an argument with somebody at one point in time, that argument shapes the rest of your relationship. Well, if you travel back in time and you don't have that argument, then you can no longer predict your relationship with this person. Not that you ever really could, unless you control them with magic or whatever. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Like it's, unre- it's, it's unrealistic for, um, and I see it often, <laughs> where characters will travel back in time and they'll have the same kids they had before. Well, no. It is terribly unlikely that if Harry and Hermione travel back in time because of whatever, their first child in their new timeline, it is a billion to one that they would have the same child, that the same sperm would meet the same egg at the same moment that it happened the first time. There's no predicting that. So the likelihood of Harry and Hermione having the same children they had before is is zero. But in but you see it all the time in fanfic where they they get everything back, including the kids that they that they lost, and it's just not realistic. It's sad. Unless of course you know the god of magic is holding their baby. <laughs> Which could be. And that's different. Um, the time meddlers is really interesting because of the unintended consequences issue that um, ripples out through the fic. And I, it's, it's, it, it's really, um, yeah, I highly recommend it if you're, um, if you're writing time travel and you're um, <clears throat> thinking your story might be too easy. This is the person who demonstrates to you how knowing everything your character knows isn't always going to be to your benefit. Okay. The other question that came up, since we've got seven minutes, and this one we can answer quickly. Um, uh, is 
from another one from Ellie who asked our favorite brainstorming te- technique would it be mind mapping, talking it out, or what? I like both. Um, but in my early stages, um, I'm not in a share mode, so mostly I do what I call cloud plotting, which I've, demonst- which I've demonstrated on the writer's group, and you can find it with the tags. Um, which I guess is kind of like mind mapping, right? Yeah, I mean, I I'm like I'm like that usually. Uh, other than like the tip, I mean, the plot drifts have been kind of unusual for me in the plotting, you know, web. Somebody, yeah, it's like mine. But yeah. usually I plot on paper. It's sort of mind mapping, but not exactly. I just kind of, you know, like sketch out ideas and draw a bunch of lines around and consider my characters and, you know, it kind of an organic little thing that will make sense to absolutely nobody but me. And then when I get things a little further along or I'm trying to actually work stuff out is when it really is helpful to bring other people. But so, but sometimes just in chats with people, there have been plot bunnies that have, you know, birthed in the chat. And then we brainstorm them right there. Which is how Bilbo got a potato gun. Yes, that is how Bilbo got a potato gun. Yeah. Um, I find that uh, I'm better at working through the formative stage on my own. Um, yeah. Again, on paper, for whatever reason, there's something about having a pen in my hand that just works uh, for me in that part of the cycle. But especially if I'm trying to work out problems, like brainstorming a problem, definitely talking it out. You just, it's just different. Now I will say there's, there's something I just kind of wanted to like, if I was talking to somebody, cause we've, we've talked about get somebody, get a, get a bounce buddy. And I was talking to somebody who's having a hard time with that. And, um, I don't want to be too specific because I don't want to like call anybody out, but prior the issue to me, and I've had this experience before is that they were working with somebody who was kind of trying to be more of a reflecting. They were being trying to be more of a mirror and a cheerleader than a bounce buddy. Um, so the, the thing they described to me was that the person was just always going, uh-huh, 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 sounds good. Uh-huh, 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 sounds good. And they said it, it didn't, it did nothing for them. Well, that's not somebody that you're bouncing and brainstorming with. That's just talking out loud and somebody's listening. I mean, it really creatively doesn't serve a lot of purpose to talk to somebody who's going to uh-huh you. So um, I would say it's just not a good fit for you. That person may not understand what you need or it may not be something they're able to do and just try to find somebody else. So if if you've tried bouncing ideas and brainstorming with people, um that does take time to get to be a right fit. You know, it's it's not, I would say, not as hard as getting a good fit with a beta reader, but it, it's, it can be difficult. You can get people who are just, like, talking to yourself, or you can get people who try to take over your process and tell you what to do. And, you know, you're, you don't owe anybody anything, so if it's not working, just thank people and then just don't ask them for help again and try somebody else. Just You just got to keep trying it. Until you find one that fits. Yep. Cause I had I had I had somebody who wanted to you know bounce ideas around with me, and 
Um, I'd help them with some stuff, and they asked, you know, if you ever need help. So I decided to try to avail myself of having them as a bounce buddy, and it didn't work. It didn't work. They just they did the mostly the uh huh me to me the whole time. So their ver their variant of the uh huh or sounds good, which isn't really helpful. But I think a lot of times oh. that might boil down to being intimidated. Um, it could be. Where they don't feel like they have um, the ability to offer you advice. I've encountered that with with other writers. Which is fine. And I think if you're on that side of the equation and you feel like you just don't have anything to add or you're intimidated or whatever, um, just say that. Um, just say that you know I don't think that I'm gonna that I'm able to do this. You know, it's better than everybody winding up frustrated and mad. <laughs> yeah, nothing actually irritates me more than having somebody waste my time. So we're down to 60 seconds. Um, I hope you guys have a – I got just I just totally blanked. I hope you guys have a great weekend, and um, we'll catch you guys later. Say goodnight, Julie. Night, everyone.